0: Uh, good afternoon. you ready, Husey? I'm ready. Good oh, afternoon, yeah. everyone. And uh, episode 20 taking stock after the bell. Uh, just Husey and I today. So welcome. But um, extra special, extra podcasts. special podcast. But I mean, it's fair to say it's been quite a lot going on, isn't there? So I yeah. don't know where you want to start, really. I mean, it's it's November, so we're getting to the point now people thinking about kind of year end and yeah. it's not been a brilliant year. It's been an okay year. We're mm-hmm. up, but we're not, you know, we've not made tons of money this year. But I think the big, big story of the week is it was wanted to start was inflation. Um, again, in you know, a really game changing stories. So we've got a chart here of UK CPI in blue, US CPI in red and European CPI in yellow. And we had uh, US CPI release on Tuesday, 1.30 and we had UK CPI on Wednesday, yesterday at uh, mm. 7 a.m. Both came in under expectations and look at the drop in that blue line, eh? UK at four point six percent.
1: Rishi kept his promise, didn't Rishi I? kept
0: his promise. <laughs> well done, Rishi. Yeah, it was all your fault. I mean, nothing nothing um, to do with energy prices. Nothing to collapse, do with energy so prices collapsing there. and coming out of the coming out of this. But this is um so on, on both fronts the markets were massively cheered by this because it looks like we could be getting back to what could be deemed normal and we've talked before about the long-term prognosis for inflation Mm. so there's no need to talk about that anymore but um, in the short term markets have have been really pleased so if we move on to this was uh, as at this morning this is now what the market is pricing for interest rates in the UK in red and the US in blue and we can see that those lines have now fallen with the market now expecting rate cuts uh, basically, in kind of June, from June on next yeah, year. So that seems um, to be the general commentary from strategists, mm, isn't it? But um, it, and it changes, doesn't it? Because the, the data comes yeah. in hotter or colder, and therefore these lines move. But um, it's quite surprised if you go back to the
1: inflation chart. It's quite, it's quite extraordinary. The increase in a straight line up, the yeah. increase, the decrease, or the full straight line down. Mm. I don't. Th- I mean, really. On, on the way up, I think, although we said inflation would fall away quickly, I, I'm not sure we expected it this quick, did we? No.
0: And you would, if you, I mean, everyone sort of said it was going to be transitory and then it wasn't transitory. But if mm. we look at this chart in 10 years' time and we've had 10 years of roughly 2 to 3% inflation, it will look transitory Yeah. on that time frame. Yeah. So they were right. Maybe they were. Maybe, maybe Jay Powell was right <laughs> after all. And the last 18 months have been it's a waste just... of everyone's time. The transitory period was a bit longer than we thought. Exactly. But if we, um, so I think that's inherently good news. And I I guess my only question from this point is that we've also had relatively weak labour market data. We've had producer prices today that have missed. Jobless claims have gone up a bit. So at the margin, all the data's got a bit softer. So at what point does the market stop cheering the bad news is good news and when does bad bad news news become bad news? So what do you think?
1: I think the market will continue cheering bad news for a bit longer mm-hmm. until inflation gets to a level where it's you know, we're a bit more comfortable with it. I think I guess the un- really it's about unemployment, isn't it? I think if unemployment rate really starts to move, that's when bad news is bad news. Mm. Um but, you know, we have had some softening. Um Yeah, I'm I'm le- I, I think I'm less concerned around the growth, it's more the unemployment mm-hmm. figures that I think the market's really focused on, I'm, I'm focused on, um, Fed's focused on, mm. I think that's what it's all about.
0: But for the time being, bad news is good news, as mm. um, as the chart, this is MSCI All Country World Index year to date, so we can see at the right hand side of this chart, basically, I mean the equity market was at a sort of high point at the end of July, and then we've had you know, a couple of months October was particularly soggy, wasn't it? An equity yeah. market, particularly the US market, fell quite a bit in October. And then the last two weeks, it's um, I mean, it's ripped, isn't it? Back to sort of year-to-day highs up eight percent. I mean, we uh, this a, is in sterling terms yeah, as well. We had a bit of technical buying anyway, didn't we, before the
1: data? Yeah, because we obviously had a very sharp sell-off following mm. the horrific events in the Middle East. Yeah, the Middle East. Um, so there was some natural buying that came in just on technicals, but. The most recent spike has definitely been from that data um yeah i mean so you know not just equities it's you know yields move pretty quickly in yeah the us and uk as well
0: um there's a, a lot going on as always yeah no absolutely but it's been you know i'm not sure that we we are prone to hyperbole on occasion but i do sort of think sometimes that you know, weeks pass in markets where not a lot happens, and even sometimes months pass when not a lot happens. I can't help but think that the last week or two has been where a week or two where months have happened. <laughs> Data is softening, employment, uh, inflation has softened, rate expectations have come down, equity markets have caught bid. And not just the equity market, but you know, year to date, the story here really has been, as we've talked about, the mm. uh, everyone's favorite phrase of the magnificent seven. Mm. So, they have driven pretty much as the chart shows the magnificent seven have driven the whole equity market here today. And if you hadn't owned uh, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Nvidia, Tesla, and Meta, forming known as Facebook, you'd actually be down here today without mm. those mm. stocks. But has the, there been
1: any broadening out at all recently? Yeah, so the, the last a little bit, isn't yeah. It?
0: So, the last two weeks, the magnificent seven have underperformed mm. the rest of the market. So, you're seeing you know, I would say you're mm. seeing the broadening out of the equity market rally in the last few weeks. Because as we discussed before, these stocks are seen as investors as defensive stocks, aren't they? Because the the growth is almost, yeah. not to people's eyes, guaranteed, um, because they are pretty resilient. So they've been the place to go and place to hide in a bit, as well as a bit of AI enthusiasm, mm-hmm. but a bounce back for Amazon and, and Meta in particular. But, um, I mean, it's been, you know, there's been a lot of stocks and sectors
1: completely ignored. Because of the inflation worries, um, I think seeing that seeing that data <coughs> will make investors look in other pockets, mm. which is important. Mm. Um, we can't just have this narrow leadership
0: forever; it doesn't work. No, um, no, totally. And that's why I, th- you know, partly why I think the data of the last two weeks, not just this week on inflation, but a couple of mm-hmm. weeks before that, and the softening might have crystallized a kind of mm. bit of rotation here, and you, you know, everyone. The calendar shouldn't matter, should it, to investor psychology? But it absolutely does mm. because we've all got valuation points and we've all got performance to report on, and yeah, yeah. you just wonder whether fund managers, who I think if you judge some of the surveys, fund managers generally speaking, have got quite a lot of cash relative to mm. what they normally got, and that could very quickly be deployed into well, into two, the rest. They did the two weeks ago at the bottom. Really. Nah. <laughs> exactly have we got the chart on on investor sentiment no behind? um no Is we don't position the bank of america fund manager survey isn't mm. it where the cash weightings were at elevated levels two weeks ago and the market was right down so um yeah so it'd be interesting to see how this develops for year end and whether the super seven have a little rest and the rest mm. of the market catches up
1: i mean we've talked all year about it really haven't we and we've we've had you know the last couple of pods we've had some really interesting people and people, on we've you know we had Jamie on on, on the energy front mm-hmm. where there's opportunities. There we had obviously we'll see Dario on about wider strategy and and sort of the themes that are coming up, but also you know we're talking about those those long cycles and um, you know prior to that we had various other guests as well, but it's sort of a, a lot of what we've spoken about is how do these seven stop performing well not just that but how does the rest of the market broaden out and where are mm-hmm. the opportunities we knew we were waiting for the data to get better um, you know to have some of those moves I think some of that has happened um, mm-hmm. there's obviously a long way to go but it's you know hopefully it's the start of it um, it's a bit of a chink of light isn't it it's so sort of how yeah well I think about and I know we've it. got it got can s- all go wrong clearly yeah. I know we've got we'll come on to smaller mid cap um, later on but it's interesting to see how quickly, or it's a reminder of how quickly some of these investments can move when the data changes. Mm. Investors are ready to deploy cash in other areas. Mm. It's just, we all want to see some certainty, you know, or as much certainty as we can
0: before we do it. Mm. Before um, we talk about that though, um, we talked before about the Magnificent Seven, how that's driven the market, and this sort of chart here kind of illustrates that. So. Um, our friends at Schroeder's has done some work on, on valuations and yep. the blue line here is the, um, uh, cyclically adjusted price to earnings ratio, which is just a valuation metric uh, of the U S in blue and the rest of the world in green and the rest of the world in green looks 15 times earnings the mm. last 15 years, pretty much. Whereas a US valuation has gone up quite a bit, mainly because of those big platform technology business and their valuations, mm. but. You look at this and you say, well, is this always going to be the case? And why, why is that? And um, um, this is a chart I produced in a fact set here yesterday, which shows um, it's a bit of a messy chart. But the, the top chart of the two is the return on equity. Now, return on equity is basically a measure of how profitable businesses are. And the blue line is the US and the red line is the rest of the world. Uh, and the bottom pane on the chart here is margins mm-hmm. and u s companies in blue again generally have higher margins i e for every hundred pounds of stuff they sell they make more profit relative to rest of the world companies and that you know when I think about why u s companies are more expensive that's ultimately the answer because they're more profitable and they have higher margins is that just tech or is that do we think that's I am mean, it'd be interesting to see this on like a sector neutral basis, right, where you adjust for the tech weighting. Yeah, I mean, what not, do you think about this?
1: I'm not sure it is
0: just tech. I mean, there will be sectors
1: that are outliers, but I think the one thing that US companies probably have as an advantage over other developed markets is, you know, on the whole, there's more subsidies or support. I think taxes tend to be lower, don't they? Mm. Um, but also employment law for companies is more beneficial. I mean, more it's beneficial. not more beneficial to employees because mm. typically there's notice periods of you know, anywhere between two weeks and a month whereas you know the UK it's probably more like three so, months. So. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. Certainly in, in European countries like France and Germany, it takes a long time to um, change the size of a workforce mm. and the business
0: needs to move. Mm. Um, I think that's probably a big, a big reason. Um, they just have a bit more entrepreneurial drive yeah, as well, don't they? Yeah. A bit more kind of—is that I mean—is that fair or is that a bit stereotypical? I mean, we we just not as good as them at running businesses and making as much money. Is that what it is? I think, I think if you get it right
1: in the US, just from where the US is positioned, but also the number of consumers there—it's mm. just so much bigger. A big than in Europe. It's you know, Europe even. There's always you know, fine if you're if you're if you're part of you know if you're in the EU then there's less trade restrictions or, or you know none in some cases but there are you know there are lots of different countries and there are different rules there's different legislative um, requirements mm. I think you know the US is well, language and culture as well yeah well, quite exactly quite it's it's one country. Mm. Now, essentially, well, it's, it's it's states, isn't it? But the states are the size of European countries, yeah. so they do have a big advantage. And you know, if you've ever read Tim Marshall's book, I know I've referenced it before, but mm-hmm. um, Prisoners of Geography," you know, or "The Power of Geography," either book, it explains why the US has such an advantage in terms of transport links; doesn't have to negotiate. Many rivers, mountains, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Physical bits of it. Moving goods around is much easier. Okay. If you're um, if you're based in the US, I always think if you get it right in the UK, you've got percent potential customer base of sixty odd million people. Mm -hmm. And if you get it right in the US, three hundred and fifty million. So,
0: yeah, your your um, potential
1: growth runway is a lot higher before you need to start looking abroad. Yeah, the and they've got, you know, again, you've got, you know, you, you look to the south, you look at Mexico. You know, I think for the first time since 2002, the U.S. is now importing more from Mexico than anywhere else in the world. Oh, I saw that. So it's it's taken just, China. It's, it's, it's taken the biggest exporter to the U.S. But did actually. what's interesting is 45% of the product coming out of Mexico was originally um, had it has origins from the US, so it's two way trade. Yeah. So you know they do have a lot of benefits. They've got you know they, they can really utilise parts of South America and Mexico in particular with cheaper labour, mm. um, um, you know cheaper manufacturing sites, and they you know that that shift um, um, in terms of in terms of onshoring is happening. It's quite
0: amazing really. They've shifted so much away from China, so yeah, quickly. Yeah, they have. And that was, you know, Trump sort of kickstarted that with the trade war in yeah, 2016. Yeah. I think was, I
1: saw, I think I saw, 15 percent of goods imported into the U.S. are now from Mexico. It's 15 or 16
0: percent. Right. It's a lot, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. yeah. But say so, you know, when people, I mean, it's very easy to sit here and say U.S. equities are expensive and the super sevens carry the market, and you know, mm. you don't want to be in those. But you know, there are pretty good reasons why we have American exceptionalism. Um, yeah. And that is, they have got lots of attributes mm. that are very, very positive for their companies. Um, that's not to say that the US carries on outperforming the rest of the world, because it doesn't always, mm. but it has done for quite large, large tracts of time. I so, mean, the, lo- the last time the US didn't outperform was, what, sort 2000s, of 2008, two two ten. Mm. Well, yeah, the, the, the noughties, essentially. So the, the US outperformed in the 90s and yeah. then that culminated in the dot com boom and then the US underperformed from two thousand onwards. Yeah. Um, I haven't got that on the chart unfortunately. No, I'm just looking at margins because margins were much closer, weren't they, in the noughties. But as we will recall was... from the, from the early days of our careers and the noughties was all about financials and commodities mm-hmm. and emerging markets, not about big tech and, mm. and you know, quality growth as a style. So no surprise that the U.S. underperformed in that decade. Mm-hmm. Since then, since 2010, it's just been a one-way ticket, isn't it? Well, actually, even if you look at J.P.
1: Morgan as a bank, you know they've got the highest return on capital employed across the whole sector. Now, what is the reason for that? I think you know there's a good piece the other day. um, I think it was in the FT. I can't remember, but it was essentially saying European's banking problem is that there's too many banks. Mm-hmm. Actually, in the U.S., there's an oligopoly.
0: You know, at the bank. big banks. Yeah, they've got a lot regional yeah. banks, haven't they? But they it, do. Yeah, yeah but the but In terms, terms of big banks yeah. and
1: um and again, they haven't had the same regulatory um requirements that European and UK banks have had. So they haven't had to you know, if you look at a business like Lloyd's, you know, or obviously you've had you know, it really started you had PPI, that was a problem a number of years ago. Every every couple of years appears it's to something. be there's always something, yeah. whereas the US banks don't have it and Hence, why margins are one of the reasons why margins
0: are higher than. So, US equivalent. is more business friendly. Is that always we're saying? I think From top so. to bottom, are you, you said. Well, we've talked about. You mentioned mm. the banks. I mean, it's the same in your oil companies. When I mean, the valuation on Chevron and Exxon mm. are higher than the valuation on BP and Shell, mm. um, it's not. Hard. Um, and Total, and part of that is cultural, but part of that yeah. is probably just drive. So.
1: I don't know really. Answers
0: on a postcard, everyone, as to whether the US carries an outperforming. I'm on the fence. You're very welcome to email in and give us your thoughts. Yeah, I'll I'll stay. We'll stay yeah. diversified for the time being. <laughs> um, but no, I mean we've talked before about the long term prognosis about higher inflation, yeah. about more sticky inflation, and maybe that, maybe that, and higher interest rates, and maybe that suits a more ex-US approach than mm. US approach. Mm. But uh, it's not it's not obvious, is it? So we need to be. I think we need to be open minded. I think. You yeah. I view it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then we'll stick with the US. We'll look at small caps. Uh, US small caps here. This is the Russell 2000, he says in blue, which year to date is basically unchanged versus large caps, which is um, the S&P 500 in this instance up um, uh, a lot, 20% year to date. And this was done yesterday or the day before. So. Essentially, large caps, as judged by the yellow line, doing much better than U.S. small caps. Um, apart from this week, when small caps have caught a real strong bid and have really kind of bounced this week, haven't you? We thought uh, any, you thought? Know, any keen to buy a few small cap U.S. equities over large cap opportunity here, do you think? I've been keen for a while. You've been keen, <laughs> there, <so. laughs> You've been keen before it started underperforming.
1: Yeah, I think there's been there's been a lot of you know we spend a lot of time looking at the difference in valuations and where the opportunities are and and I think you know we all know why small cap has struggled in this environment they're impacted more by rising rates they're impacted more by inflationary pressures um, you know they're probably not as, in some ways they can't move as quickly as, as larger cap stocks and obviously you've had this theme of you know you've had the Magnificent Seven mm. that have just um, you know continued to drive upwards but um, yeah I mean on a relative basis I think there's an extraordinary amount of value in, in US small cap. They're typically um,
0: more sensitive to the economy. And they are more RA. domestic so focused. So if there's a recession small cap generally gets hit a bit harder. Yep. Yeah. So I wonder if some recession risk is in that?
1: And, yes. and debt
0: as well. So they, they absolutely probably have to worry about debt more yeah. than the likes of Microsoft yeah. and yeah. Apple do.
1: Yeah. Well they'll be refinancing at higher levels. Um they probably can't refinance for as long. So mm. I think duration is probably shorter. Yeah. In small I think cap. that's probably right um different also I'd say different sector um kind sector of, composition. Yeah, yeah, less tech. Exactly. Yeah. Um Regional banks are in the
0: small yeah. cap, aren't they?
1: Now, but as we, I think, you know, the differential between small and large is the largest it's been since two thousand and nine. Um, as we were discussing earlier, as you yeah. enter a recession, the the prevailing three to four months, or I think it was three to five, um, on average, small cap is sort of plus over twenty percent, and we, as we were discussing earlier that feels in some ways that feels strange that you're going into a recession so things you know the economy is feeling worse Mm. so why would it do that but actually you know to get into a recession it's all backwards looking actually small caps are already feeling the pain now they're moving supply chains they're restructuring labor force they're potentially yeah cutting costs so actually probably as the recession hits They've already done a lot, and the yeah, stocks have already sold off yeah, into it. Because exactly, the market knows a recession's yeah. coming. Yeah. So investor sentiment is mm. as low as, as probably you know, as low as it can be. Yeah. So that's why you get that very quick um, drive upwards. Mm. But um, it, it's brave, yeah. you know, it will be it will probably feel counterintuitive to a lot of investors to buy small buy a small as, as a recession's good. coming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I agree with that. But if if they've already been horrid for six months before have. that, which they
0: have in the US. Um, and UK. Uh, well, talking about UK, so talking about looking horrid, look at this. <laughs> so, this is UK small cap going back five years. This is the Numis Alternative Investment Markets yeah. Index, to give it the correct name. And obviously, it fell quite a bit in the pandemic. Um, and then it rose quite a bit. But since then, it's down 40% from its peak yep. 18 months ago, 50% nearly. Small cap stocks down 50%. You're talking, you know, 2008 kind of amounts, aren't you? and You're buying these well we've we've we've
1: seen we've seen other people buying them we, today? well this so this week we seen on inflation
0: half, news they have all ripped yeah, they're up yeah. between five and ten so. percent and in terms of MA, and
1: ah, a well, yes.
0: are coming in so Hotel Chocolat Hotel Chocolat yeah he's his favorite shop if you bought, bought a few presents from Hotel yeah. Chocolat there's one at the Paddington station rather. Is there? So if I ever need to get into, if you're (laughs) ever in in trouble, (laughs) I'm never in in trouble. Oh no! Just in case, you know. Uh, Oh, it's thirtieth thirtieth of November. I need an advent calendar. I
1: thought you'd be going Uh, home um, via Harrods to um, buy the Louis Vuitton handbag. Have
0: you seen the market this year? Definitely not going to (laughs) Harrods. Definitely not going to Harrods. Um, Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Hotel Chocolat. Big news that. Yeah, we had Young's Breweries, we're buying. The City Pub Company. Yeah. They've got quite a few mm. nice little pubs around here, haven't they? we should be. do a tour. We should take the pod on tour. To the, I think we should take <laughs> the pod to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. Um, Alex, Alex would like that. Alex pod would be a big pub. fan of that. Yeah, we'd get some more guests on that way as well, wouldn't we? we would. um, rather than just listen to us too. But um, no, it's really interesting. So, Hotel Chacalet, what, 575 million? Stop's been
1: horrible. Oh, it's been awful. It's it's. I mean, they had a big profit warning, didn't they? and that's, you know, it's part of the reason for the valuation fall, but, I mean, it's a big premium. Uh, I yeah. think £3.75 was the price up about just shy of 200%.
0: Yeah, but it's it, um, bought label. by Mars, the big US confectionery yeah. conglomerate, to give it its proper name. Uh, and I just think this is really instructive because these stocks are cheap. And if the market, the equity market, doesn't recognize that, then mm. someone in private equity Yep. with a spreadsheet um well and in fact we've just pulled up the chart here so we can get this kind of added in like, yep. you know here's a five-year chart of hotel Chocolat, and the share price was five pounds fifty and it got down to a pound yep. in august and it's been bid for at what 360 odd i think it's 3, 375. It? 375 yeah. Yeah. yeah shares are now trading at 362 yep. so that's yep. extraordinary isn't it but if if there are and the but this, yeah, but
1: this will happen it's yeah you Know th- th- this isn't a standalone business that's sitting very cheaply and nothing else is. I mean, the, the price of small cap is really on the floor. Yeah. Um, you know, Mars, largest largest owner of pet food in the world, are they? Okay. Yeah, so so I expect Hotel Chocolat. <laughs> Where are going with this? Hotel Chocolat <laughs> is going to
0: have some dog treats. Dog in treats? In <laughs> well, you can get uh, my sister in law sent me a photo on the other day and she was at I don't know, oh, she was in a restaurant and a hotel they stayed in Bristol because they were flying from Bristol airport. And the restaurant had a doggy menu, including doggy ice cream and loads of treats for something ludicrously overpriced, like £7.50 each. Like, well, we really need a recession to get rid of that yeah, stuff. Sure. Anyway, so Hotel Chocolat, uh, Young & Co is buying City Pub Group. Yep. These businesses are cheap. Um, I don't know. Is that the catalyst? Is it, is it just and then a little bit of good news on the inflation interest rates front? Maybe yeah, we don't I... get a recession in the UK? Because sentiment's pretty bogged out.
1: I think even if you
0: do it's um you know look if we're going into
1: a hard recession and and things are properly gloomy, then of course you know, this stuff yeah, is gonna get a lot worse. Out, but that's not that's not what the markets anticipate. No. I think even if we go into in some ways I, I still feel if we go into a small recession, there'll almost be a cheer that we're there, we, we don't have to talk about it or worry about it anymore. <laughs> and yeah, we're we're in right. the teeth of it and actually <laughs> yeah. the market's very good at looking through things if the recession is soft it will look through it and we'll look to the other side and that's when this stuff will move and and I'm not for a second suggesting we should have big weightings to you know small and mid cap but yeah i think i think any diversified portfolio should have um
0: should have something in there mm. um you know yeah. it, it's obviously down to I think that point about recession is quite a good one, because for lots of us, recession, we get kind of PTSD back to the financial crisis. Mm. And the financial crisis is not a normal recession. That was no. a de- almost a depression. No. Okay. It was a great financial crisis, okay. losing the name. Um, you know, if you look back at the 90s recession in the UK, it was just about had one in 2001, didn't we? You know, mm. Wasn't the end of the world for most people? Clearly not great. No, but I've if you have that. a run-of-the-mill recession... Yeah. Most of these stocks are probably cheap enough to weather it. They probably get cheaper in the yeah. short term. Don't get me wrong. But, but
1: you're right. It's um, you know I think a lot of people that are managing money today or investors will you know have will remember what we've been working during the financial crisis or certainly have read about oh. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that I think that's why investors are so petrified of recession because in reality, take away you know the small ones we've had since you know COVID wasn't really a recession. It was seem forced because we were all stuck at home but Mm. we sort of go back and think a recession is what happened in in 2008-9 and and that's not a normal environment um you know recessions we can carry on investing through recessions and and it's not the end of the world um maybe it's like thinking about
0: the great fire of london not every fire is like the great fire of london no, we were in Painters Hall this morning for the road show, and uh, that was initially opened in 1532, got burnt down in the Great Fire, rebuilt five years later, and then got flattened during the Blitz in 41. So the current Painters Hall is the third incarnation. So that story went down pretty well with the audience when I told That's it. That's good. I, I did my work. <laughs> and just to tie a bow on this, Montanaro happened to send me a chart about the valuation on UK small cap. And this is PE and I don't necessarily need to go into detail what a P is, so but basically it's a. Um, um, a type of valuation metric that we look at compared to the ordinary PE and yeah. it's fair to say that UK small cap looks as cheap as it's done since February 2009 before that March 2003 yeah. August 92 which is even before your time um, and buying UK small cap at those points in time I don't have the data on me but I'm going to say there were probably quite good times to buy UK small cap you um, yeah. get a little bit cheaper of course it can the world can yeah. change and yeah. the Sample size here of three isn't necessarily a done deal, mm-hmm. but uh, you, you know, you, as we've said, there's lots of bad news in these stocks at an aggregate level. There is, and you've had, in lots of places, um,
1: earnings downgrades as well. So mm-hmm. you've had, you know, earnings fall and valuations are still very cheap. Yep. So share prices down 40, are not, down yet, 50, yeah. they're not looking through this yet, um, and and they will. It's not, you know. Small, you know, there are opportunities in small cap where small companies grow into big companies, and there's huge amounts of shareholder value. Do you want to name a few? Gonna name a few high-profile examples
0: of UK small cap that have developed into proper, fully-fledged businesses. Well, we almost had Assos, but it got very small again. And <laughs> from ten million to two billion, and what is it now? Five hundred million. Yeah. Uh, Domino's Pizza. Domino's Pizza. pizza yes. yes. Um, on AIM. Uh, Domino's was on aim. Yeah. So, Jet 2 Holidays is worth two and a half billion. That's still on aim? That's still on aim. I mean, she told me today actually we should have her on maybe. Um, the only reason it's still on aim is because the chairman owns a big slug of the company. She doesn't, pay it, it, doesn't fancy right. paying the IHT bill, which right. <laughs> oh, is classic. Uh, so there's a few big stocks. JD Sports was very small. I don't was know it? if that was ever AIM. I don't know. Um, uh, Kane Energy, which has now yeah. disappeared. Yep. Yeah. Cardo was very small. Oh, yeah, that was our name, I think. So, yeah, I mean, you know, from Small Acorns, um, Mighty Oaks Grow. Is that right? I think <laughs> exactly. did I get that right? <laughs> um, so the other news, which is interesting on UK small cap, is some chat around what the government might do to encourage investors to buy more UK equities. Mm. And um, there has been this idea of a British ISA floated around. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure of the proposed mechanics, but essentially it's a... Either a separate ISA or your existing ISA, you have to invest it only in UK equities, and particularly UK small and mid-cap equities.
1: And is the, is the idea that
0: you're having a, an additional allowance to do that with? Either some of your existing 20000 allowance has to go into a British ISA, or possibly even all of it, I don't know, if I'm honest, but it's total speculation, so mm. please don't. Um, think that anything that we say on this podcast on that front is uh is, is give advice no no but um there have been the mansion house reforms haven't there how mm-hmm. government are trying to encourage pension funds and investors to invest in UK small cap because if you don't have thriving small cap market with decent valuations these companies can't issue equity because they need equity to grow and they need to expand and build, etc. So it is important and, and I think Peel Hunt had a quite a big report out of it. About it, which I kind of scrolled through. Mm. And um, you know, they talked about in the US, the tax advance wrappers in the US, like 401k plans and IRAs, mm. uh, individual retirement accounts, they do have quite strong restrictions on what they can buy. And they have to be US. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you can, they, but they, they, so there is precedent. And there's something in Japan and there's something in France that they have their own similar ISA type wrappers. And they are limited to their own mm. pool of investments, or there are restrictions it it on what they can sense. buy. So it's not in unprecedented if you were to see a, we're going to call them Bryce's. Is that the name? <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, mechanically, from our perspective on a day-to-day basis, obviously lots of clients have got ICEs and they've got mm. very diversified portfolios. So if we were told that all of a sudden we have to sell out our US equities and ICER accounts, that might not be ideal. but no. um, at least but it's, no tax implications. Mm-hmm. or oh, true. That yeah, um, wouldn't be ideal. I, I, surely it would be an additional allowance. You'd think so.
1: Oh, but it? the autumn statements next so. week, isn't it?
0: So yeah. and this comes back to the sort of, you know, think about a bit about catalysts. Well small cap's cheap, but a couple of takeovers, mm. inflation's down. Um uh I feel like a broker here, kind of peddling UK small cap. And <laughs> just for the record, I do own some small cap PA, UK uh, small cap equity. I've so, got some in my pension. Have you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well there we go. So I mean, that's probably all I want to say about that. We have kind of done that to death. But, yeah, when I was talking to Amisha today, who runs our AIM portfolio service yep. designed for inheritance tax, and she's, you know, banging the table about how cheap some of those dogs are. Yeah, I no, know. And, yeah. and she's right. i well, had a really tough time. But.
1: She's a bit more chipper over the last week, Yeah, um, following some pretty decent moves, you know, in, yeah. in, in the right and portfolio. But, um, right to say. It's same. been it's been a very – I think it's, it's that saying, isn't it, that um, – things often carry on for a lot longer than you'd ever mm. expect. It it's I, I think the environment we're in has carried on for a, a lot longer. It's been a lot harder and a lot longer than any of us anticipated. But you know, we've said it a few times that we feel we're getting towards a change in sentiment, but you know, you maybe this help. is
0: it, maybe this isn't it. Yeah. I don't know, maybe. maybe I'm wrong. Um but I do sort of feel as though the last week has been pretty material in yeah. terms of changing yeah. environment. But yeah. We'll have to see. But what, what, what are the clients saying? What are clients saying to you when you're meeting up for your review meetings?
1: Um, I think it's an acknowledgement that it's been a very hard couple of years. And, you know, in most cases, clients are very understanding. I think you know, the thing we've been discussing a lot is there is a return now for mm. more savers bonds. Um, yeah, for bonds. We don't have to use alternatives or run, you know, potentially have more equity, um, you know, than perhaps they would normally have. Mm. Um, and and in lots of cases, we've, you know, more money's been transferred in to take advantage of um, of guilt prices, no, particularly- Oh, no, like no, gills, rather. Yeah, yeah gills. Taking out cash, yeah. Um, so that's been good. I, and, uh, you know, from a starting point, if you think about a 60-40 portfolio, you know, you're 40%, you can get a return on risk-free, investments as such which are short duration gilts or bonds um,
0: did you come to the road Show this morning and listen to my, uh, my keynote speech I did not no. That's basically what I said did you <laughs> no I mean you can get four, four and a half percent on gilts and you can get six percent on corporate bonds and mm. equity markets and are now not expensive exactly so, I, so it's uh, been a tough couple yeah, of years really and that, tough and that's years. the that, they're the
1: conversations with clients um, you know I think if you know we think about it we've gone through we've gone through Covid We've gone through the fastest tightening cycle we've seen for decades. You know, we've we're dealing with inflation levels of inflation not seen since the seventies. You know, we have been through an extraordinary period, and mm. you know, actually, you know, portfolios year to date or or year to year are mildly positive, yep. and and you know, considering what's happened, I think, you know, I think, on the, you know, in most cases, clients are a fairly, you know, pleased isn't probably the wrong word, it's probably not probably not the right word, because everyone wants to receive much higher levels of return, but I think a very understanding with how hard... Relieved,
0: relieved as well. Relieved,
1: yeah. is a good, relieved is a better word,
0: um, mm. because it has been very difficult. Um, but, I mean, we've, we've probably all had a few questions about, you know, should I just go to cash and stick my money in yeah. the deposit for a year yeah. or 5%? Yeah. Well, I mean, interestingly, in the last, we've talked about the last two weeks, November alone, 16th of November today, uh, I checked this morning, balanced portfolios are up the best part of four percent in yeah. two weeks. Yeah. So you don't need a lot of good news because investment returns are inherently lumpy. They're not linear. Mm. So you know we talk about equities doing eight percent a year and bonds now doing best part of five percent a year, but equities don't give you eight percent each and every year. No. They don't give you one percent a month, do they? They give you know you get periods where they go down, periods where they go sideways, and then these relatively short periods where they go mm. up quite a lot. Yeah. And I think one of the points about equity investing is if you want to harvest those returns you got to you can't pick and choose because mm. you're likely to miss out. And we've seen that the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Well I think listening to
1: podcasts over the weekend, I was um I drove up to Sheffield to see my sister. It's my nephew's birthday, yeah. so um and I had something on whilst yeah, my Uncle son was UC. watching his bringing exactly. the birthday presents. Yeah. Plus my son was watching um I can't remember what he was watching, Paul Patrol or something. Um I was listening and if you'd missed I think the six best days in the S and P this oh, yeah. year, you'd be yeah. negative one. Yeah. Whereas actually, if you invested in those six best days, you were you know whatever US 15, plus fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. So, you know, it, it. I think those meetings this year has been, it, it's hand holding and it's giving clients the confidence to stay invested by explaining actually what the businesses are doing because. I think in most cases, our businesses, you know, the businesses we invested in have done a really good job. Mm. Um, And so I was reminded of something else as well, which is management teams of companies, their number one focus, whatever they say, is on getting share prices higher. Because, I, 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 that, because I said that this morning as well. Actually. Did you? <laughs> yeah. That's because I wrote your. You your, your, wrote your presentation. Presentation. Yeah, thanks yeah. very much. Um, but it, Tim Cook know,
0: gets up in the morning, yeah. and goes to work to get the share price. Of, of course them. he does. Not directly, but yeah. indirectly through everything he does. His income and earnings are linked to share price, mm. and it's the same. You know
1: that's why management teams have long term incentive plans. Yeah. It's it's you know whether it's based on growing revenue or 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 EPS or share whatever it is. It's all linked in some ways to to making the business better. Mm. So, you know, and we I think as investors sometimes we forget how fortunate we are that we can invest alongside these brilliant people. Yeah. And and in reality, not do any work for it. Right. As, I hope as, it yeah, you, exactly. Yeah. You just invest in a good company yeah. and, and and enjoy the benefits. And so it's always something that Buffett and Munger have said.
0: Mm. Um it sounds so easy, doesn't
1: it? It does sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
0: goes up starts well, in the bottom left ends in I mean, the top we, right we, you know as we discussed with
1: you know, James Ashley recently um it it's you know that we are in a world of you know there is more risk in terms of geopolitics it's more uncertain because mm. inflation is you know we're not used to these big ups and downs we're not used to thinking about what rates are going to do um, you know I think turn the clock back a few you know three years ago most people wouldn't even you know, a lot of investors wouldn't even know when central banks were meeting to discuss what rates were going to do. Whereas now, everyone has the date in the diary. Really. Well, no one really cared about the inflation no, data. There's
0: no, there's no point. Um, but it, yeah, kind of on that point, And if you look at what's happened to bond yields and interest rates in the last eighteen months, you know, had we gone back to the end of 2021 or early 2022, and you'd said to me rates were going from half a percent to five and a quarter percent by the middle of next year, I'd have said. Uh-oh, we're probably down twenty five thirty percent across the 100%. board yeah and we're not all right we're not looking we're not made tons of money we won't made much money at all in that yeah. 18 twenty four month period and it's been a struggle yeah and last year at times was pretty shaky
1: yeah. but yeah
0: you know we have coped admirably and to come back to the point about a traditional equity and bond portfolio mm. looks really good from here it really does and then and you UK you've got... gap looks even better right yeah <laughs>
1: And investment trusts, oh, we like oh, a discount. Yeah. Love it. He usually <laughs> loves a discount. <laughs> Why would you not want to buy assets cheaper through well, an investment Some of those week? infrastructure
0: names drop about, and the, and the property names drop 10% a week in a week. Yeah. And know, in, for, in a month they might be down 10% again, yeah, but yeah. I think we can see
1: how the market will react with inflation at tamer levels yeah. and when we have a view on where rates are going. because. A lot of the infrastructure investment trusts are driven in price by rates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's the main variable for them. Yep. So, you know these things move quickly. Um, yeah. So no, it's as always, it's exciting, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is exciting. I'm um, I'm pretty excited despite despite the last two years of being what thought being punched in the face every day. I mean, you had hair <laughs> two years ago, didn't you? <laughs> that's slightly there. We go. Uh, should we call it a day, there, uh, Do you think? Yeah. We, happen, should we Should yeah? we do a should be a little advert so for, advert for so next for, week, uh, next week we've got two weeks time two weeks time we've got Fifth Freddie something. Late who's the fund manager and head of Latitude Investment Management he runs yep. a globally focused 30 stock portfolio he
1: does with a real value tilt which yep. there's some brilliant businesses in the fund but he, he does start with valuation they've yep. got a yeah he will talk more about it but a pretty scientific approach and um, real in-depth analysis
0: on how oh, they perfect look for, for stocks
1: perfect for me i won't say much for um, for the hour
0: so. no, that sounds good so um hope you've enjoyed today and and hopefully it's a bit more positive because the news has been a bit more positive so uh, mm-hmm. i think that might be reflected maybe in certainly in my mood this week it's um great. long may it continue, but of course it might not continue because past performance is no guide to future returns. That's great. Um but with that, uh, thanks for joining us. Any uh, questions, difficult questions, James.com. Uh and Easy I'm Jonathan.raymond at crucialchiev.com. And thanks very much for your time and we'll see you next time.